The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss how marketers are adjusting to the new post-COVID normal in the B2B space. Joining us is Dustin Denno, who is the VP of Sales Enablement at Showpad, which is a sales enablement platform that marketers and sales teams rely on to prepare sellers, engage buyers, and optimize performance with insights. Showpad's team of 450 plus people work all around the world, including Belgium, Brussels, London, Munich, Poland, and here domestically in the United States in Chicago, Portland, and my personal favorite, San Francisco. They're a widely distributed team. And today, Dustin and I are going to talk about why work from home doesn't have to mean a loss for productivity for sellers. Okay, here is my conversation with Dustin Denno, VP of Sales Enablement at Showpad. Dustin, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Excited to have you here on the show. I see that you're based in Chicago. I'm here in the suburbs of San Francisco, and we're able to connect just like we were sitting in the same room. That's the beauty of the world we live in these days, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It seems like I'm in a revolving Zoom all day long. It's been actually very productive, but it is definitely the new norm, whether you like it or not. So I'm excited to talk to you about what the world looks like for a couple different reasons. First off, you work in a distributed team, you work in sales, you work in B2B. Obviously, the coronavirus is impacting how all businesses are affected. You work for a distributed team. Talk to me about why working from home doesn't actually mean less productivity. Yeah, we actually found productivity gone up. We had multiple offices across the country and we still do. When things go back to normal, we'll definitely be getting back. But it's always going to be different, I think, from here on out. And I think what we've done from a remote perspective is develop a cadence with our team from just having those normal connection points that you typically would in the office, trying to build that in into our process. But yeah, we have 50, 60 AEs in the US, which I'm responsible for North America, kind of spread all over the country. It's kind of crazy. People are going home, visiting their family, going to places that they've never been before and working remotely. And we've seen a pretty good increase in productivity. And sometimes you got to actually tell the people to back away from the Zoom calls and the work because there's not much else for them to do. So it's uh, an interesting, interesting challenge. So you manage a large team, 50 people, and distributed around the country, you're seeing productivity pick up. You mentioned that some of the workflows are changing 
Talk to me a little bit about how you've organized your team and how you've made the pivot to be able to not only work as a distributed workforce, but entirely distributed. So the question to me is then, okay, what value did being in the office bring? Because the technology to be remote has been pretty consistent for a while, at least the last four or five years. So we've all been able to do it. But what are the reasons why an office makes sense? And a lot of times it's those water cooler conversations or the conversation you have walking out of a meeting back to your desk that start to be impactful. And I think it's creating opportunities for those kind of unstructured conversations that have been really impactful for us. So it's getting together with my small leadership team to talk about things that aren't on an agenda or seem to be top of mind. It's just having conversations about what's the pulse of the team, what's the energy. I think those are things that we've been trying to do to kind of overcome some of those challenges. So it's interesting to me that you're talking about needing to set up time to talk about the things that you don't necessarily have in meetings. That seems a little bit like an oxymoron. Like, how do we schedule water cooler time? And the fear for me is, and the reason why I think most people would have thought that distributed companies are going to be less productive, is you're in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, and you're not having time to be productive, get the work done It's interesting to me that you're saying you need to schedule time to discuss the unscheduled, but you're still finding it to be more productive. Walk me through that a little bit. We definitely leverage like blocking to get work done. I think that's the other element of maybe I didn't answer before is kind of scheduling in that time to actually get productive work done. That's another element that I think is super important. But as far as scheduling that other time, it's that time to just kind of riff with your team about new ideas or things that you should be doing that typically happen in passing in an office. So we have a stand-up three days a week with my broader leadership team. And there's no real hard agenda. We sometimes talk about similar things. But the idea is just to get a pulse of the team. And so what are you hearing with your seven or eight account executives? What are you hearing in solutions engineering so that we can start to develop a point of view about what the team needs? Because in the office, you can kind of get that gauge, right? If there's a lot of energy in the office because a bunch of deals are closing or a bunch of positive momentum's happening, you can kind of see it or feel it. We're constantly keeping a pulse of how the team is doing. The numbers from a productivity perspective are there. And I think part of the reason is they're blocking off their time. It's just we have to manage our schedule a little bit differently, I think is the biggest thing. So talk to me a little bit about accountability. It seems like that's always the fear for people that have never worked outside of the office is if I don't see you, I don't think you're working. How can people who are getting used to working remotely track and feel some sense of security when it comes to people's accountability and making sure that they're working as hard as they can? I think it's this element of having a direct relationship with each person on your team, understanding where they want to go in their career and tying everything that they do on a daily basis to that objective. And I think it's that one-to-one coaching mentality or approach that we found very, very helpful. I've always tried to create an environment of trust with my entire team. Like if I can't trust you to get up and kind of do the normal things that are required for you to drive pipeline or drive revenue as a salesperson, then I probably made a massive hiring mistake or we're completely off on what our expectations are of each other. So I try to make sure that everyone in the whole team knows where they stand at all times. And I think that's first and foremost, is kind of understanding where the person wants to go tying everything that they do from our activities perspective to that objective. And then if we're so far off, just having a really candid conversation. But I found that most of the time you can trust people to show up and do their job, particularly in sales, because so much of their earnings is tied to how well they do. 
But as far as accountability, I also think the old adage in sales in general around like this many calls or this many emails or this much activity translates to revenue is starting to disappear. And it's about running plays with your marketing team to understand what accounts you want to approach. And there's just a lot more strategic cross collaboration that happens to actually drive revenue forward. It's not just about kind of spray and pray, which is what has been taught in the previous time. And so now we're just very focused, very targeted, but accountability really hasn't been something that has been a struggle because we just try to create an environment where people feel like they wake up every day and they're trying to advance their careers or make more money or do whatever motivates them individually. So my takeaway from what you're saying is that being outside of the office, being a remote workforce forces managers to have to think of KPIs and ways to evaluate their workforce. And it allows everyone to have key metrics. It allows everyone to have KPIs from a career perspective that they can point to to show whether they're succeeding or failing. I remember the last time I worked at a big company, it was eBay, and it was probably 10 years ago. And there was this stigma from working from home, like all you're going to be doing is sitting around folding your laundry all day. And that was a bad thing. You're supposed to be at work working instead of doing your house chores. But there is something to be said for having some flexibility to be able to manage your personal and your professional life and not block off one versus the other. As you're working with a large but distributed remote team, Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. How do you think about balancing work-life balance? How much do you evaluate how the people are actually working or is it just results only? It's a global pandemic. The situation is completely unprecedented. And I think it's up to us leaders to have some type of empathy when it comes to those things, right? Like at the end of the day, there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done in every role in your company. Do I care whether that gets done at 10 p.m. or 6 a.m. or between the hours of 9 and 5? 
But isn't that different from what most people have been thinking? Like, that's always how I felt. It was, sure, I'm going to do my work at 10 o'clock at night, but I'm supposed to be at work from nine to five and I can't do laundry now. Yeah. I wanted to go out at 10 o'clock at night, you know? like yeah, Exactly. That stigma, I think, has to go away in order for it to be effective. You're talking about people with families that have kids and they're homeschooling. You got another spouse that's also working from home. There's so many dynamics that people have to deal with at home that you have to have some type of empathy. And I think it's about also understanding each one of those individual situations, if you can, this idea of like kind of blanket prescribing the way people work across every single employee in your company, that idea started to be very fragmented. That perception or stigma, like you said, it was starting to go away. But I think this has just been a forcing function and kind of accelerated this idea of working remotely because I haven't really seen a dip in productivity at all. I started working as an independent consultant. It's been close to five years now. And, and having gone away from a traditional J-O-B, not having a W-2, right? I was a contractor. Now I actually have a W-2 from my own company. But that was always the big hangup for me was having the ability to do what I wanted in terms of work, what I thought was most important, but blended in with my work. And I feel like I saw the value of having more flexibility and autonomy when I went independent. Now it seems like the corporate world is kind of going that direction as well. Hopefully this is a forcing function, some good coming out of the coronavirus, that it's moving the working world into a place that has more balance and allows people to figure out how to work the way that they want to. That said, there has to be some sort of tools and instrumentation to be able to evaluate how people are performing. Talk to me about some of the tools that you're using to manage your remote workforce. Running a sales team, you obviously have kind of the normal tech stack and tools to track your pipeline. Salesforce, outreach, or some sort of CRM. Yeah, Salesforce, outreach, Marketo, pretty much the standard B2B SaaS tech stack. LinkedIn. Yeah, all of those things I think are super important to make sure that your business KPIs are aligned and kind of your sales metrics that you're always tracking, I think makes a ton of sense. One of the things that we do, obviously, with our own technology from an enablement perspective is try really hard to drive this culture of coaching. So since the math model of activity, certain amount of activity equals a certain amount of revenue, that equation is starting to break. It used to be like old revenue leaders are like, I need this many heads and I need this much activity. And somehow there's going to be this many millions of dollars worth of ACV or ARR is going to come out the back. That equation doesn't work anymore. And so for us, it's about using knowledge and skill tied back to performance data. That's the most effective way to kind of coach remotely. So it's like understanding what is the knowledge that a, a person needs, account executive needs to be successful. What are the skills that they need to be really successful? Things like empathy, good discovery, good business acumen. Those are the skills that they need. And how do we gauge that, kind of create a baseline for that, and then create coaching or enablement that's both individual and team-based that tries to improve those skills. I think that's where things are heading is because basically when you're training a group of sales team, you have to control what they say, when they say it, and how they say it. And that's a lot of variables that you have to manage across a bunch of different personalities. So by tying that knowledge and skill to performance, we've started to understand what our ideal profile is and also started to develop a system of coaching that were focused on the behaviors, not the like activity, if you can draw a difference between those two. Yeah, it's interesting. I have a kid that's in preschool and we're starting to learn that you 
don't necessarily reward the results, you reward the effort. And it seems like that's one of the key things that we're getting in management these days. Last question I have for you today, if you had one piece of advice for the manager who has always been the show up in the office, punch the time clock, this much input equals that much output, traditional way of thinking, and they're being forced to migrate to a distributed workforce and thinking about management in a different way, what's the most important thing that you can tell them to drive them to leading their team to success? I don't know if I was the guy that showed up and clocked in and clocked out, but I was very much loved the in-office culture. And so it was a shock for me. I think I had the same mentality to inputs and outputs and activity for activity's sake as it comes to like a sales culture. But I struggle with that, just not being around people all day as kind of an extrovert that's always managed sales teams and large sales teams. It was something I struggled with. And I think the most impactful thing I did is I started talking to every AE and BDR on my team. I started listening to them and kind of what they were experiencing. And you start to understand that it's not about the inputs. And then you start to look at the data and the data actually says it's about the quality of work, not the quantity of it. I mean, we've all been bombarded by salespeople in our careers and the volume of different channels that salespeople have today. It's about how you stand out from the noise. And so those elements of creativity. And I think the piece that is important as a leader in this new environment is kind of wrap your head around that, say it's okay to like maybe try it for a week, like abandon all of your normal micromanagement activity-based metrics, step away from it for a week. Kyle Coleman, the leader over at Clary, I heard him on a podcast saying he had like an SDR freedom week where he removed all activity metrics for SDRs for a week and had them kind of hack their way through and kind of create new opportunities for them to build pipeline. I think it's important to just take a step back, listen to your team, and start to actually understand what is moving the needle across your team and what metrics you are. And you find that it actually, a lot of those kind of micromanaging things that we used to do aren't really translating into results. It seems like the takeaway here is that the classic old way of managing a team that was activity-based is dying or gone for multiple reasons. And if you can't just whip the horse, you might have to actually pay attention and manage the people on your team and spend a little bit more time teaching, coaching, and educating. And that gets you away from just looking at the raw outputs and more into looking at the real people. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Dustin Denno, VP of Sales Enablement at Showpad for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Dustin and I are going to talk about the new normal in the post-COVID B2B sales world. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Dustin, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His company's handle is Showpad, S-H-O-W-P-A-D. Or you could visit his company's website, which is Showpad.com, S-H-O-W-P-A-D.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests, where you could subscribe to our once a week newsletters. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap. 
B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.